Bourbon Cigar Cast, a weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin, and I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. A lively cigar lounge tonight. Of overwhelmingly lively, I would yeah. almost say. Well, it's got cold. So everyone's coming inside. Right. It's hard to smoke outside when it's cold. And wet. It actually snowed yesterday. That might be the earliest I've ever seen snow in Tennessee. Well, in a cigar public service announcement, modify or moderate your humidor more closely this time of year because it will dry out quicker. Yes. I mean, I have to add, usually a gallon of water in my humidor will last me a couple of months. This time of year, I go through a gallon every three weeks to a month. Yeah. You know, just because when you turn the heat on the house, it right. sucks the humidity out of the house. It also and, depends on how much you're opening it as well. Yeah, like well, my humidor is open daily, obviously. Well, but for a lot of people with just a, myself being one of those, like if I'm smoking at my house out of my humidor, it's only when I'm smoking on my porch. Right. So it turns cold. I don't open my humidor at the house anymore for the most part. I, I, most, if not all, of my cigar shopping, uh, smoking uh, turns either to in the shop or buy one at the shop for a road trip or something like that. So my, my humidor was mostly going to stay closed for the next six, uh, three months. And I think that balances out. I guess Mm -hmm. it balances out to a degree. Mine, of course, I have the large humidor and I have the sliding door. I was going to say, the sliding glass on yours isn't going to be a perfect seal to begin with. And you're getting into yours still, even though it's turned cold. So, yeah, I could see how that would affect yours more than it does me. Because one of the things I learned early on was not to be a slave to the number. You know, everyone's like, oh, it's got to be 70% or it's got to be 69 or it's got to be 71. And it's like, you know, anywhere between 68 and 72, you're, you're kind of good. Oh, yeah. And sometimes some cigars are better just a little drier. Mm-hmm. Some cigars will have more flavor and come alive a little better if they are a little drier. Yeah. And, and some go the opposite way as well. You know, it's just one of those things that I, I learned early on. And it's one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give anybody who's just getting into the hobby, which is that especially getting your first humidor. Okay. What do I need to do? What do I do? No, just don't be a slave to that number. Don't check your humidity every two hours. Like just like Ronco's rotisserie, just set it and forget it. Oh Yeah. Well, we'll come back to that because I actually have an article about that I want to hit later in the okay. show. So, very interesting. But first, we need to light some cigars. We do. What you know, you got? rarely do I have a day that I wake up in the morning and I just want a cigar all day. Uh-huh. But for some reason, today was that day for me. At work, I was thinking, I can't wait tonight, go do the podcast, smoke a cigar. And it's not like I had a particular cigar I was locked in on, though I did acquire a Buckeye land through nefarious means and smoke it earlier today. Um, but what I'm smoking tonight, I'll come back to that story. Okay. <laughs> so last night I won poker. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys at poker said, can I put in one really good cigar instead of the two I owe to the pot? And I said, sure. And he put in the Don Carlos, the man and the legend cigar from Arturo Fuente. Okay. Now I'm not a big Fuente guy. Right. But this one's interesting because this one is not a Dominican Puro. This is Dominican binder filler, but it is a the wrapper is an African Cameroon. 
And this is the one that come that they made the special limited edition humidor for as well, right? Right. There's the special limited edition humidor that only 800 were made worldwide. It has the special little trap door on the back. I mentioned this uh, cigar on the podcast where um, it was just me at the kitchen when Glenda had a wreck. Yeah. And because I had just gotten my hands on one, and I still haven't smoked it yet, so I'm a little jealous. But well, beautiful presentation, like the Fuente cigars. Um, the wrapper is beautiful. The band art is exquisite. I mean, it's a pretty cigar. Which, you know, that's Fuente, right? You know yeah. that the band is going to be beautiful. It is a little smaller. Um, I don't have the exact size listed here in this article, but I'm going to say it's about a 5 by 40. That, a little short of a Toro, a little more than a Robusto. It's a little bigger around than 40. That's probably a 50. Probably somewhere in there. But when you're used to smoking 60s, I can see why you might. <laughs> well, and I have these big paws, too, and that makes a big difference at all. But I'm going to light it up and try it out. What do you got? Um, so I've got uh, something that I've only ever smoked one of before, and I do appreciate you uh, putting this in my hand. And I, when I walked in and you said, oh, I've got a cigar for you tonight, I was like, heck yeah, Buckeye Land, let's go, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> which is what I was going to pull out of the humidor when I got here this, today. But, uh, but no, this is from Caldwell Cigars. It's the Long Live the King. I had one of these cigars when it first came out, and I really enjoyed it. I've only had one, mostly because of the price point. You know, we've talked about that with this cigar before. Is that a new lighter? It's, it is. It's flaming up red. It's like you just elected a new pope. Well, no, that would be white. But you just elected a new cardinal. Well, it's interesting because a lot of lighter companies are going to this now. It's a little flake of magnesium right in the tip. Yeah, they put a little of that, and so the flame turns red as it actually lights up. Do you know why they do that? I have no idea. It makes it easier to see. So it makes a perfect uh, golf bag lighter. In fact, I, when I worked at the shop in Atlanta, we sold those by the dozens. That particular lighter, they were very, very popular. Most of the guys just dropped them in their golf bag, and, and that was kind of it. And the nice thing about that magnesium, that bright red flame, no matter what kind of light is out on in the day, whether it's a little overcast, you get that haze, whatever, you can always see that flame so you get a good light, good even light. Well, that makes sense. Now, it will wear out. So It will stop being red. Yeah, because that's just the nature of you're, you're degrading the metal. Right. Every time you do that, so eventually it'll just kind of wear out. But it, but the lighter will keep on working once it does, so it doesn't really matter. Well, I needed a good lighter to keep here in my locker mm-hmm. because when my kit is not with me tonight, which is a rarity. It is a rarity. And I said, you know, occasionally I do the kits in one vehicle and I take the other one or something like that will happen. So I went ahead and put went ahead and put the money out. I mean, it's a Vertigo. It's the Vertigo. It's a Ford Jet. I don't even know the model of it. I don't need, I never know the name of their, but it's the one that has the, the Ford Jet that angles. Right. Has the angled so head. You, yeah. It can either be straight up or, and it's got the little cap on a chain. Like I said, very, very popular when they first came out. I haven't seen one in a while. It, you've, you've had one of those before though, right? No, Tim Hall had one of those. That's what it was. Tim oh, that's carries what he, one everywhere he goes. That's what he lit our microphone on fire yeah, with. that's what yes. he used okay. to set our microphone on fire <laughs> one of the early shows. Go back into the classic cigar cast to see that. But anyway, back to your Long Live the King. Yeah, so it's a... Uh, it, well, my screen went dark while we were talking about your lighter. 
Um, Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, Peru. I mean, it's got a little bit of everything. I've, this is the darker of the king is... So the king is dead, and the long live the king came out around the same time. The long live the king has a little bit more flavor, in my opinion, than the king is dead. I don't know if... Do you find that to be true as well? well? So the legend has it, and I don't know if it's true, but I had someone tell me once, and it sounds like a great story. The long live the king and the king is dead were actually meant to be smoked back to back. Right. Which would make sense that one, that the king is dead would have a little less flavor because you're working it on a dirty palate. So I would think it would be the opposite. And you mean, would think to maintain that same... Yeah, well, or, or even go a little bolder. You know, I'm one of the rare people that likes a little bit lighter cigar as a follow-up cigar, but a lot of people prefer to go stronger so that it doesn't get covered up by the the coating on your palate from the previous cigar. Well, and we could we could debate that all night yeah. because I've heard people say it both ways. Hey, if you've got two cigars and, you, you know, it's a long football game and you're going to have two cigars, smoke the lighter one first, then the darker one. I tend to start with the darker one and then go to the lighter one because the darker is naturally going to have more complexity. Uh, for the most part. But, I mean, the long live the king is in the medium to full bodied range, like medium plus to medium full. I, I'm... Yeah, I don't think you could get much stronger than, you know, that's a it's kind of a interesting place to start either yeah, way. It's a, so, you know, we can do a whole show on order of smoking and what we should smoke and at what time, but that's not what we have in store for the show tonight. Real quick, as is our standard, um, we'll go ahead and talk about the legislative stuff first, get, our, get that out of the way before our cigars get good and hot. This week, the FDA took it a step further further, as far as banning flavored cigars. You know, they're starting to get the legislation in place, and they're actually focusing more on the vaping thing and more on, you know, you talked about Juul before the show. Yeah, I was going to ask if you wanted me to bring that up. I was just pulling the email I read this morning. Uh, well, Juul is um, 70% of the e-cigarette market. And they have announced, you know, they have a whole plan to kind of change their way. What do they got? Well, yeah. So they, what basically what Juul decided to do um, is they're they're going to shut down all of their flavored stuff. They looked at the numbers, and so Juul's under heavy pressure from the FDA as well, spe- specifically that company because they are the market leader to curb teen use, which is up according to the agency, is up 75% over the past year. 75% teen usage of vaping. That's just... I mean, as someone in advertising, you want 75% teen growth. Like, you, that would be gangbusters. I don't care if you're doing, you know, fashion or phone accessory, whatever industry you're in. If you get teens to increase 75% a year, you're doing something right. However, you know, talking about vape usage, uh, they're not really happy about it. The FDA is kind of... So... Oh, go ahead. And what the FDA plan is actually trying to do, which I can't say I'm totally against, they're trying to get the flavored vape liquids and the flavored cigars out of convenience stores. Which I'm... You know, anything that... Anytime you put cigars in a convenience store, in a gas station, in Walgreens, it diminishes the brand. You know, Macanudo famously, you know, is in the tins 
in a lot of those types of scenarios. And 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 I, I think they're great. I've I've bought them when I've been in littler towns where they don't have a tobacco store or whatever. But the problem is I feel bad because people they're not humi- humidified. So that's a lot of people's only interaction with cigars, and they're you know dry and they taste bad, and it's like, eh. Um, it feels machine made. I yeah. mean, it really does. It it doesn't feel like you and I smoke a cigar, a premium hand rolled cigar. And you know, we're going as we talk about this. I do want to talk about the Knoxville Courier this week here in Knoxville, Tennessee, had an article about people calling for the end of the Alabama Tennessee cigar tradition. Where I saw that, where the winning team smokes a cigar, and someone wrote a very compelling article about how the health concerns for cigars really aren't what they are for cigarettes. It's true. Yeah, I mean, two cigars, you know, two cigars a day, not really. It's kind of like red wine versus hard liquor. You know, wine is alcohol, but people say it's okay to have a glass of red wine with dinner or something like that. But the bigger picture of all this, I think, we may come out of this FDA thing better on the other side because it's forcing more of the common reader to acknowledge there's a difference in cigars and cigarettes. Well, except that the problem that I'm seeing is that you get the common reader who doesn't understand, and they just think, well, why shouldn't it be regulated? It's tobacco. It's evil. You know, so it really becomes up to us as members of the cigar community to truly educate people on why cigars are different than cigarettes and why it doesn't make sense to regulate this industry from an FDA standpoint because there's no, the FDA doesn't have any real concern here. You know, if your problem is the kids, teen usage of cigars is minimal at best, so you're not getting anything there. And so then, okay, we'll talk about health and stuff. Well, I'm an adult, let me choose. You know, I don't tell you how many cheeseburgers you can stuff down your maw. Like, let's let's just get out of each other's way. Yeah, it's you know it's the it's the old conversation of if you've waited for the government to raise your children, you've already failed. Right. I mean, if that if that's your decision is that hey, I'm gonna put regulation, the government's gonna put regulations in place that are gonna help raise my children, you have already failed as a parent at that point. Yeah. And all that's the raising of your children is your responsibility in the education. It all comes back to family and education. I'm not really sure how we made that turn, but that was interesting. <laughs> that's the way my mind works. I but get it. As I've read, as I've been reading and getting more into these articles, and this this article in Knoxville Courier, very interesting, and it's written in such a way that the casual observer could understand a better difference between cigars and cigarettes and vape. Yeah. And all which vape, vape isn't even tobacco. I mean, it's no. just. Well, and that's, that's the other thing that these groups have really glommed onto is the fact that, you know, vaping as an alternative to cigarettes. Oh, well, it must be just as bad. It's got nicotine in it. It must be. Well, first of all, nicotine is never the problem. Yes, it's the addictive part, but that's not the part of a cigarette that causes cancer. It's not the, you know, it's the actual smoke itself. It's the irritant in your, you know. So if anything, rather than look at vape being evil from a nicotine standpoint, let's start looking at what this, like, vegetable glycerin stuff that you're sucking down your lungs is. Um, Because as long as you're inhaling it, which I believe most of these people are, then you've still got the same problems. Right. And, you know, 
nicotine is never going to be the problem. Nicotine is just the chemical that they decided to tag as evil. It's just a chemical compound. I mean, I know power lifters that chew nicotine gum before they lift because it's a stimulant. Well, so nicotine is actually the perfect drug. If only it had a little, did a little something. But you're right, it is a stimulant, but it's actually one hydrogen bond separate. For, I'm sorry, we're, it's going to be the, chem, the chemistry podcast tonight. It's, it's one hydrogen bond, which is a very weak type of chemical bond, different from nicotinic acid, which is actually produced by your body. So unlike heroin or cocaine, where only 15 or 20% of people who ever try it have the ability to become physically addicted, everyone who comes in contact with nicotine will become addicted to it in some form or another. Now, the extent to which you do is different based on your chemical makeup, whatever, but the point is everybody has receptors for that chemical. Right. The, we all have the nicotine receptors in right. our brain. They're all stimulated. Mm. Where, and the delivery system of the nicotine is often far more dangerous than the nicotine will ever be. Yeah, and that's exactly my point. Yeah. And smoking anything is a extremely efficient delivery system. It is. I, I mean, that's just the way it works. But the only other legislative thing, like I said, I'm moving through this legislative thing quickly because I don't like it. Um, the midterm elections are kind of in. Montana voters rejected paying for Medicaid expansion with a new tobacco tax. Okay. That's a good move. Voters reject... That feels a little bit like robbing Peter to pay Paul to me. It does. They also rejected a tobacco tax hike in South Dakota, and that actually is costing South Dakota some money in out-of-state because they didn't do an out-of-state money. But I like that people are getting the chance to vote on these tobacco taxes. Yeah. I think that, and the fact that enough of them are getting defeated, um, you know, Hancock County, West Virginia, they snuffed out the casino smoking ban. You know, there was a ban on smoking in casinos there, and they snuffed that out. Oh, interesting. I hadn't seen that. Yeah, so it's nice that a lot of these, as I go, you know, it's cool. Go to Cigar Rights of America and just read through their headlines and see how many of these, these bills get brought up and subsequently killed. Uh, by the voters, and that should tell our elected officials something. Yeah, it really should. I mean, that really should, but that's enough of that. That always leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Well, it's just funny. One more point before we move on. It's just funny. I was talking uh, to someone this week about, you know, every once in a while when you see, you know, election results, we just have the midterm elections. It's a perfect example of how, you know, so many things are going to public vote now, and I think it's really important that we use the referendum vote more than we do. I think what, when in doubt, give... Oh, because we were in Phoenix, and there was a prop on the ballot, and the, the way the signage went, we can talk about this off the air, but I basically I did a deep, deep dive on local Scottsdale, Arizona politics <laughs> because of some yard signs I saw. And it was basically about whether or not to use referendum vote versus city council to, dis, to determine. And it's like, always... Like, when in doubt, give the people the, voice, the the vote. But then every once in a while you hear things like this of people, like especially out in California historically, and, it's, and you, you get these really ridiculous outcomes to referendum votes. The transit um, referendum that we had here in this city a, a few months ago. And you go, well, maybe there is a reason that we elect intelligent people to do the voting for us. <laughs> well, now you're making the assumption we elect intelligent people. Well... 
In, in a, if the system is working as designed, we do. Well, intelligent people rarely run for office. The amount of people that say, why in the world would I subject this to, to myself, subject myself to this abuse daily, rarely contributes to people that want to run for office. That's true. I mean... I, now, I th- there are some good ones. I'm not saying yeah. all politicians are crooked and evil. But I think there's a certain... It just depends on what you call intelligence. I mean, the ability... Let's, let's talk about politics for what politics really is. It's manipulation. Politics is the ability to manipulate people to do what you want them to rather than what they want to do. That's all that politics is. It requires a certain level of intelligence, either emotional intelligence or intellectual intelligence, to be able to do that. Well, and I would much rather have the intellectually intelligent person up there than I would the emotional person. The emotional person, I feel this way, so that's the way it is, and that's not necessarily the way life works. Um, emotional intelligence is is, a li- is not necessarily letting emotions control and drive your decision-making. Emotional intelligence uh, refers to the ability for you to recognize um, the emotional bandwidth of others. So where, where it goes into, you know, feeding off of... It, Let's talk about most social issues in politics. You know, those the things that people decide whether or not to back a candidate or a party oftentimes are not political issues, they're social issues, because that's where you get the emotional stake from the voter. So it's not necessarily the politician going, I'm, let's get on, I'm, I'm rabbit holing you know, on this. I've got to start. I just sm- find it so interesting. I've got to start smoking this cigar slower. This sucker is burning. We're 21 minutes in, and this cigar is burning like wildfire. It really is. It's got a good flavor to it. It probably has one of the, one of the more preferable flavors to our Turo Fuente stuff that I've smoked. Yeah, you know, which I've got to say is surprising to me because when I looked at it, it didn't look anything special. You know, yeah, it it's looks a lot really lighter light. wrapper. Yeah, uh, I wasn't necessarily impressed by the smell and the appearance of it. Again, maybe I need to maybe I need to grab one and smoke one after all. The it's you know the price on these is probably going to be in the twenty dollar a piece range. I don't see myself buying another one and jumping on it, but I'll reserve that till we pass judgment at the end of the show, and I'll I'll, I'll reserve that for later. But it is burning fast, and it is trying to burn just a little bit crooked on me, so I'm going to have to do a little work on it during the break. And uh, when we do come back from the break, though, I found an accessory that I am so excited about. Okay. That I absolutely can't wait to tell everybody about. I'm going to order one probably tonight when I get home. Is it made by Screw Pop? No, it is not. (laughs) And uh, I've watched the YouTube video on it. I'm very excited about it. But when we come back, I will tell you about the perfect draw. All right. Well, we'll be back with that and more after this. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week, I'm going to talk about a cigar near and dear to Trey's heart. I love, love, love this cigar, and I pick it up every time I find it. It's a Jaime Garcia Reserva Especial. It is a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper with Nicaraguan binder and fillers. And it is my father's cigars as as the day is long. I mean, if you want a perfect example of their blend, this is it. 
And I'll tell you, the size of this I like the best is the Super Gordo, the 5.7 by 66. Yeah, see, I the reason I don't smoke it any more than I do is because it's really hard to find in the Toro, but I think the, the Toro or the Bellicoso, actually, and I'm not a Torpedo fan, but the Bellicoso is a fantastic size in this cigar. Great blend of cigar. It's, like you said, it's what my father does well. This is the backbone of the My Father line. This and the gold are both kind of my father's bread and butter. Right. Great cigar. You can pick them up under $8 pretty much anywhere you buy cigars. Try the Jaime Garcia Reserva Especial. And welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Shane Reese. Sold. Yeah, <laughs> you I'm, jumped I'm, right into that. Man, let me tell you something. I'm talking fast because I would like to this cigar last the length of the show, but it's <laughs> it's getting iffy. We couldn't take a long break tonight because it's getting iffy. This man is burning like crazy. That is, I've never seen. I mean, you you smoke fast to begin with, but you are sucking that thing down. For for a premium cigar or an ultra premium cigar, this thing's burning quick. I mean, I've burned through an inch and a half and you've burned through what? A, a quarter of an inch. Yeah. I mean, I've only asked this thing once. Yeah. What do you think about the oh man? Oh my gosh. Or it's so much, the, it's so much better than I remember. I'm I love the king. I keep saying yeah, the wrong cigar. That's fine. Um, this is actually a lot better than I remember. Um, you know, I like I said, I know why I stay away from it, and it's not because I don't like it. It's just because rare is the occasion when I want to spend that much money for a cigar. But man, it's so good. Well, it's, it's. I don't know if it's the Peruvian tobacco or the Nicaraguan because I don't. I don't have much of a palate for Peruvian tobacco. I don't really know that flavor very well. But there's, there's just that little bit of spice, which I would, I could see how that soil of that region would lend itself to a spicier, to a spicier leaf. It may be that, but either way, there's a little bit of spiciness I'm getting on the back of my tongue, almost in my throat, which I'm really, really enjoying. And it's just, it's kind of some, some cocoa leather kind of that I'm getting. I mean, it's, it's, it's your old man smoke. Right. And I'm just really, really enjoying it. Well, our poker game, our pod has been greatly improved due to the fact that last night the Caldwell rep was actually playing poker with us. That always does help. So our poker pot was a little more Caldwell heavy. And it's funny because we talked about it briefly last week. I've actually started keeping a bag in my humidor of cigars that I haven't smoked yet that I'm saving specifically to smoke on the podcast. Yeah. Because I love the feeling of sharing with our listeners the first time I smoke a cigar with the listeners. And I'll now You're not going to throw me under the bus for that this week? No, no. I, I, ad- I adequately ran over you last week about okay, that. Good. I think you've been I think you've been shamed into into superior performance later in life. <laughs> but well that that means you're telling me I have to wait a whole nother week before I smoke the Buckeye land? No sir. Uh-uh, I'm not going to do it. Speaking of which, so I acquired a Buckeye land through nefarious means earlier today. They aren't in the humidor here yet. They weren't in the... We'll talk about it after <laughs> we'll, the We'll talk okay. about that after the show. <laughs> and I, was, I was sworn a blood oath to secrecy as to how I acquired this particular cigar. Okay. So, but I will tell you, for those of you, it is the most San Andreas, San Andreas wrapper I've ever smoked. And how did that find your palate? I loved it. I mean, I'm... I'd imagine you would. 
it's probably a, a box purchase in my future of wow. that particular cigar. Which means it's your favorite of the state-specific releases. Definitely. Then. I mean, it's the Yellow Rose. I like the Waltz, and then I like the Yellow Rose better because I like the bigger size. Yeah. And then the Buckeye Land, that San Andreas wrapper, just brings that blend alive. Really? And the construction was excellent. The draw was excellent. The flavor was amazing. Um, I definitely think it's going to become a, a box purchase smoke for me. And size-wise, it's a little narrower but longer than the Waltz, right? It's a little narrower. It's longer than the Waltz. It's about the same length as the Rose. Okay. And the Rose is a box press torpedo. Right. This is a more traditional cigar style. Okay. But um, really enjoyed it. Definitely, they're in, coming into your stores. All of the stores are receiving them from Lawless Day currently. Definitely worth a grab and trying to smoke on one of those because I think it's really enjoyable. But also, speaking of last week's show, we're doing a lot of callbacks this week. Apparently so. Uh, first and foremost, the, it is fixed. You now have the whole yeah. show on the... <laughs> On the app, yeah, I, you know, I, I would apologize, except that I don't know how that happened. The recording was complete. It just our website, I guess, decided it that it just was done uploading about halfway through. Decided twenty nine minutes was enough. When yeah. I first heard it, I thought, well, Trey decided to cut out me raving against California and marijuana policy. No, I, I mean, I should have, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's just one of those technical things that. But the whole show is on there. Also, last week we talked about how hard it is to do a box purchase without actually smoking the cigar. And now you have to make amends on that, huh? Uh, this week. But this week I was on one of my Facebook cigar groups, and about 6 o'clock in the morning somebody put, there's this code for the Herrera Esteli Miami, and I bought a box of 10 Herrera Esteli Miamis for $39. I wish I had known about that. Because you and I... You like Herrera, uh, Willie Herrera's blends more than I do, but the Norteño and the Herrera Esteli are, without a doubt in my mind, the two best Drew Estate blends in regular wide release, because you don't have to be a diplomat dealer to bring those in. You know, obviously, we get into Liga, we can, that's its own separate conversation, but the Norteño and the Herrera Esteli are phenomenal cigars, cigars that I don't smoke enough of, honestly. But I'm really excited about the Miami. Well, and for less than four bucks a cigar, can't beat it. Because they're going to retail around twelve, right? Yeah the um, the retail on the box I bought was like a hundred and twenty dollars, and then I put in this code, and my final bill was thirty nine dollars. Okay. So just a great, great code. If that's you, a heck of a code. That's one of the reasons I'll tell everybody out there to kind of frequent the Facebook sites because this is the second time that's happened that one morning I'll just open it up and somebody will say, hey, they've released this code, go to this particular cigar company, enter this code, and you'll get a bargain. You know, I bought four Camacho Comedicates for a quarter each one time from Cigars International on one of those codes. Wow. And it was literally a dollar for four Camacho Comedicates. <laughs> that's, that's a heck of a deal. But let's talk about a new accessory that I'm very interested in. I can't wait to get your take on the engineering of this. Okay. This actually... I love when you do this to me, and you give me something completely blind. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. I have, I have to do that to you occasionally. This actually won the Cigar Trophy Award for Best Cigar Accessory of 2018 in the Cigar Journal. 
Okay. And it's the perfect draw. Now, it's P-E-R-E-F-C, excuse me, P-E-R-F-E-C, draw. No T. Take okay. the T out. And it's a cigar poker, but take a look at the end of that cigar poker. This That po- scares me. Well, it's kind of barbed like a hunting arrow would be. It looks like, yeah, well, yeah, it looks like a broadhead. Yeah, it's kind of barbed like a broadhead. Like six of them stacked up together. And it's designed to, as you push it through the cigar, it actually cuts the tobacco. And then it has a puller in it that will actually pull some of those scraps Let back. Let me see that again. That's, I feel like it would just get in there and then just rip the insides out. I mean, the picture is what I would expect that to do, only not in a good way. Well, the picture kind of is uh, that's some exaggerating. Yeah. But it does have the barbs, so if you use it just as a pick, just to hold your cigar when you get down to the nub, it'll probably it work perfect because yeah. it won't spin. Yeah. But I'm very excited. I'm going to order one. They're $39.99 at Perfect Draw. I'm, 29 Or excuse me, $29.95 at Perfect Draw. I'm going to go ahead and order one because I want to do it, but also right below it, Somebody has taken my ideal. Oh, that's been around forever. The cigar repair, the pectin in the little nail polish bottle, basically. That stuff's been around forever. So that you can repair your cigar. Mm. So I'll probably go ahead and, you know, pony up the extra eight bucks and order both of them. Just so I have, because occasionally I do need to repair a cigar. Well, wait until you, wait to smoke that other Romacraft Solomon until you get that in. Yeah, definitely. I'll wait. The next Venus I smoke, I'll have that on hand just in case. Justin, yeah. It could have saved me a lot of frustration last week if it worked. Yeah. But I'm very excited about it. I like the case it comes in. It's a black case, andonized aluminum with the orange cap. It looks like it's going to be a great accessory. So I'm very excited to look at grabbing that. But something else I wanted to talk about this week. We haven't got to etiquette yet, but I have to talk about something that I think is even more pressing. Okay. At the end of every show, we tend to pronounce judgment on our cigars. Mm -hmm. What criteria do we use to pronounce that judgment? I was asked earlier this week by a listener, you know, how do you weight the criteria you use to judge your cigar? You know, getting into the nuts and bolts of it. One of the things I will say... Um, and this is almost a, a, a caveat to anyone who's heard me pronounce judgment on a cigar, which is that it is 100% subjective. Uh, there's no scientific basis to it. There is no, it's, it's how I'm feeling that day. It's how my palate is, is feeling that day. It's, you know, what I'm in the mood for are all going to temper how I feel about a cigar. Well, and we can get into that, actually, that portion of it, because there is a portion to environment. You know, laying on a beach in Mexico, smoking a a cigar, it's going to taste a little better than huddled around, you know, a heater on the back porch. Right. You know, in the middle of winter. There's kind of a difference there, but I've got four categories that I use. Okay. I always use, in no particular order, I use price, presentation, flavor, and the recipe. So I'm always going to look at what the recipe of the cigar is. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You left off something that I know should be on that list for you. What's that? Unless you're considering draw or construction to be in in one of those categories, but it didn't. I don't. 
I, it doesn't seem like it fits into any one of those. Probably do need to add a fifth category for because you you've know. spoken many times about how important that how an otherwise perfect cigar can be ruined based on. Yeah, construction's very important. You're probably right. I need to add another category and go instead of 25% each, 20% each. But so they're all equal weighted for you? No, they're going to be a little variance. I'm not going to sit here and try to do the math in my head. 18 we'll up, and three quarters percent this yeah. one and 12 and 75. And yeah. Yeah, so we're at 132%. <laughs> so I'm not going to try to embarrass myself by trying to do that math. But I do want to hit each of these categories. What's your number one thing for the cigar? Well, your my number num- one. My qualifier. number one is construction. My ab- construction and draw go together for me. So because you can have good construction and, and bad draw, you can have good constru- good draw but a bad construction. Uh, well, actually, anyway. So you know, if a cigar explodes on me, if the wrapper bursts open and explodes on me, sometimes you can still have a cigar that draws well even when that happens. But to me, those two things are kind of the same thing. How, how much effort do I have to put into keeping the thing lit, keeping it burning straight, and getting good smoke out of it? You know, I like a cigar that puts off a big plume of smoke. And if I have to really suck on a cigar to get something out of it, and then it's just a wisp of smoke, that, that's not enjoyment for me. Um, and that's the, the quickest thing and the number one thing that I'm going to judge or praise a cigar based on. What percentage of importance is that to you? Is that 60%? Is that 80%? Is it 15%? What is it? It's 30%. You think it's 30%? Because I agree, construction is going to be the most important part because it don't matter how good the flavor is, it don't matter how good the price is, it don't matter the presentation or the recipe, if the construction's not there, if the engineering ain't right, you know, right. Um, spending my life around home building, you always have issues where you have structural versus mechanical. Structural always wins because if the house falls down, it don't matter if the toilet flushes. Exactly. And this is the same principle. If you can't smoke it, it don't matter how good the flavor is. Exactly. And it doesn't matter how, because a cigar that you can't smoke doesn't matter if it was 25 cents. There were, that's 25 cents you could have spent on a cigar that would draw. You know, it, it's, there's a, uh, I'm not going to be able to attribute it, but basically, a uh, a prescription that is two dollars that you don't need is more expensive than the twenty dollar prescription that you do need, or something like that. But it, it's that kind of principle, which is um, which is yeah. It doesn't matter if it only costs me a nickel if I can enjoy it. The second most important factor for me is going to be flavor. Mine too. I'm going to have to enjoy the flavor, but my number two and number three work together. I also take price into account when I'm judging the flavor of the cigar. I do too, and I would say that price and flavor together make up about probably 50%. Yeah, because, you know, when you buy a $4 cigar, you expect it to taste like a $4 cigar. You know, the Drew Estate Factory smokes. I haven't smoked one yet. I plan to whenever I get around to it and get one. But... I don't expect that to taste like a Liga Number Nine. Right. No, and and that's and and that you know that's why I kind of group them together and give them a, a heavy weighting because a cigar that doesn't taste that great but is really economical, 
are those are going to balance each other out just like a cigar that tastes amazing but if i had to take out a second mortgage on my house to pay for it well then that's going to you know and and they balance each other out often which is why we talk so highly about cigars like the Charter Oak or the Tarano Vault series that are, you know, five and six dollar cigars that taste like nine and ten dollar cigars. You know, and I basically have three categories for pricing. I have under eight dollars, I have between eight dollars and sixteen dollars, and then I have padron money. Yeah. Once you cross into Padron money, my flavor expectations are very high. Yes. As because are I know const- I can get a Padron. As are my construction um, expectations. Yeah. I mean, if I can get a Padron, you know, and that's kind of what we search for a lot. And we always try to tell people about is like the Vault series, like the Charter Oak, the cigar that's the sleeper, that it's not yeah. the big price, but it's a great flavor, a lot yeah. of flavor. You know, this Fuente, the man that I'm smoking, which is slowed down. I've slowed down smoking it because I've been talking more, but it seems to have kind of matured a little bit as the heat goes through. The tobacco is expanded and it's burning a little slower now than it was. Um, at the price point of this cigar, I do expect more flavor than this. I will say I would expect more complexity because this is a Padron Money cigar. And I'll, of course, it says something for Padron that they are my measuring stick. It, it absolutely does. Now, I also like presentation. Presentation matters to me. It does not to me. Don't matter to you at all? Maybe 5%, if at all. You know, it might be the kind of the footnote to the cigar maybe oh it's a nice box or it's a really nice label but that doesn't that doesn't temper my judgment on the cigar at all i'm thinking in terms of a cigar that's going to catch my attention that i'm more likely you know we could probably break this down further and even break down to before you smoke the cigar what are the factors in choosing the cigar and what are the factors in judging the cigar at the end of it well, so. I, but I, to, to that extent, though, I do get your point because a cigar that presents well is going to inherently come with higher expectations on, on the front end. So if it looks good, you're going to expect a little more out of it. So, Well, and also there's the gifting side of it. You know, if I gift somebody a cigar, I want to gift them a cigar that does present pretty well. That's, I don't want to do just a tatawahe with a single band. It's true, but at the same time, I'm also not passing judgment on that cigar because I'm not the one that's smoking it. That's true. And the, the last thing is the recipe. I do always look at the recipe because I, and I guess that's more a process of elimination. Well, for me, where you say recipe, I'm going to say flavor. Um, I, I know we kind of already talked about flavor, but the, the recipe is going to drive the flavor. Well, when I say recipe, I refer to how did they utilize the elements? Did that, you know, we, when we speak about the Buckeye land and how San Andreas, that San Andreas wrapper is. Or the, uh, was it the La Aurora Corojo that I had the other week that was just Corojo as Corojo get? No, that was, um, I don't remember what cigar that was. It was a Perdomo, wasn't it? No, they don't make a Corojo. Oh, okay. But yeah, and you know, if it says San Andreas, I don't want it to have been blended out of it. If it says Kentucky Fire Cured, I want it to. I want to taste the Kentucky Fire Cured tobacco. I don't want the blend. It was the Agonorsa Leaf. There you go. The Agonorsa Leaf Corojo. Yeah, the Agonorsa Leaf Corojo. Yeah. How well does it utilize the components that it's that it's using? Well, because sometimes they miss. Sometimes you get a Cameroon wrapper that really they put too. You know. 
for whatever reason, the binder and the filler, because Cameroon's a tough wrapper. Yeah. Cameroon is a wrapper that to bring out the flavor of Cameroon, you've really got to have your blend on point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so easy, especially that's why you don't see a ton of Nicaraguan cigars with Cameroon wrappers, because the Nicaraguan tobacco is so much drier, so much sharper. Um, I don't know, does um, uh, Jaime Garcia, my father, Yeah. do they even make a Cameroon wrapper? Because that wouldn't lend itself to their blends, it don't seem. N- nothing comes to mind. There may be, but I, I'm going through their profile. I, I can't think of anything that uses Cameroon. Yeah, Cam- Cameroon takes a delicate touch. It's a soft touch. Whereas a San Andreas wrapper, you can kind of lay the binder and filler under that because you are going to get it. And the size of the cigar is also going to, de- you know. Yeah. The size and the recipe are going to kind of go together because some cigars, a Lancero in a, in a San Andreas wrapper is going to be far different than a Lancero in a Connecticut wrapper. Right. You know, or a Lancero in a San Andreas wrapper is going to be different than a Toro in a San Andreas wrapper. No, that's absolutely right. So you end up with a lot of different flavors. So that's what I mean when I really talk about the recipe and breaking down what the recipe of the cigar really means to me. Well, yeah, because, you know, we both usually go into a cigar for the first time knowing what the recipe is, knowing whether we expect that we're going to like it or not. So then whether or not that recipe lives up to our expectations, I could see that being, uh, especially for you, because you take a lot of time to research your cigars a little bit more than I do, because I, I tend to get, I just go for what I like. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I can definitely see that as being a, a much more heavily weighted criteria for you. So the last thing I want to touch on tonight is another accessory of sorts. And this goes back to something we talked about at the very first of the show. So next week we'll get to etiquette. (laughs) (laughs) No, this won't take long. The SIGSOR, C-I-G-S-O-R. It's a sensor in the shape of a cigar, in the shape of a tubo, that you put in your humidor that actually relays to you the temperature and the humidity of the cigar of your humidor to your smartphone. That's pretty cool. Hooks to the Wi-Fi. It sound, it's one of those things that sounds cool, but I don't see a practical use. For Okay, for people like me who don't ever open my humidor in the winter. You know, it would be nice if there was a way to just be like, hey, you know, oh, you know, about February, by the time all the humidity is gone, it just shoots me a text and says, hey, it's time to refill your humidifier. That, that would be helpful for me. See, it, it probably wouldn't be that helpful for me, but again, it's the difference in the humidors we carry. Right. You know, the, my, my humidor, I'm going to be checking it when I go in there every day. I've got the little digital display right there. I was about to say, and not only that, but because yours has a glass front, even if you're not getting in your humidor, you can just look over and see what it's doing, whereas mine's completely um, leather-covered, so it doesn't. I don't have any way of knowing what's going on in there unless I open the hood. Well, and so to kind of bring it back around to where the show started tonight, don't get over-obsessed with the humidity of your cigars. Or, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip-flop my stance on this, or get completely obsessed. Now, and, and here's why I say that, because I, and this is why I love the, the Sigsir, is it's bonkers. There is no need for a smart humidification sensor. It is completely superfluous. It, you know, it, it's unnecessary. It's tech for, oh, and it comes in three colors. Of course it does. No, it comes in three features, and look at the price. 
Holy smokes. <laughs> Three, four, what are the different features? Is it classic, premium, and what was the other one? Classic, premium, and luxury. Luxury. has. I mean, the, is it? I thought it was just the colors. There's actually differences in... Yes, the classic is an andonized aluminum body, CNC machined. The premium is stainless steel body, premium uh, CNC machined. The luxury is 18-karat gold-plated <laughs> CNC machined. Extremely luxurious look. Okay, so it is just the finish. It, it's not like one's better at, at doing its job than the other. Well, but my point is, like, get nerdy. Like, there is a, uh, there's a little microcomputer on the market for $10 right now called the Raspberry Pi Zero. And it is the size of two quarters side by side. It is tiny. So, and, and you can set it up to, like, uh, automatically ping Wi-Fi. You can weather stage it. There's all kinds of cool stuff that people are doing with it. I've got a smart display at my house that keeps my uh, calendar completely up to date and syncs to my phone. And it just stays on all the time. And it uses that. Really, really cool. So, go nerd out. Come up with completely, you know, if you're passionate about cigars and you're a bit of a nerd and you want to just completely geek out, go for it. Don't obsess over the numbers so much that you're, you know, setting your watch to go home on your lunch break, not to walk the dog, but to refill your humidifier. That's taking a step too far, but I love the idea of stuff like that. Completely unnecessary and just bonkers, but how much fun is that? There is that element to it, but I'm, I'm of the opinion this is not something I need in my life. If I had to, to make a judgment on the SIGSOR, it would definitely be, this is not a sensory array I need in my life. You know, I've recently switched from Fitbit to Garmin on my fitness tracker. <laughs> Welcome to the dark side. The Garmin's nice. The Garmin is less user-friendly, and the Garmin is more technical data. There's less flowers and balloons involved in the Garmin. It doesn't go off on an alarm when you hit your 10,000 steps. It doesn't do mine a does. lot. Oh, mine doesn't. Oh. But it doesn't do a lot of the flowery stuff, but the data I get off of it is far better and far more detailed than I ever got from the Fitbit. Right, because the Fitbit is for a mass audience, and the Garmin is for people who actually want the information. You know, there's a reason that most of your pro athletes, triathletes, endurance athletes, they use Garmin. And, uh, and there's a reason for that, and it's because the, that it's that extra-level nerdy detail, whereas the Fitbit is for... You know, the the everyday Joe who just wants to make sure that they're moving enough to keep their heart, you know, lasting until they're 80. Yeah, but, and it's, it's a difference in the audience. Mm-hmm. But before we go tonight, as we wrap it up, the show's flew by tonight. It really has. I mean, it's just absolutely flew by. It may be because the energy in here is so hyper. It could be. There seems to be a lot going on, and we're not at our usual table. But have you noticed I can actually see over here? It's a miracle. Yeah, but light's overrated. I don't know. We've been complaining about it an awful lot lately. But pronounce judgment on Long Live the King. Okay. Well, construction and draw-wise, it has been perfect from the moment I lit it up. It's burning really, really slow. Part of that's because I'm talking more than usual this week. Um, The flavor, like I mentioned, I'm getting some spice on the back of my tongue. Normally, I get spice on the front of my tongue. So I'm really enjoying how this is hitting me. It may be... I wonder if it has something to do with it. It is a little bit smaller ring gauge than I'm norm- I normally smoke. It's about a 48, I would say. Um, you know, so you know how different wine glasses, they're different shapes for different types of wine. 
I wonder if it may be something along those lines that the size is, is changing the shape of my mouth, which means I'm tasting a little bit different. Um, but I'm really enjoying that aspect of it. Um, you know, it was free, so that's even better. Thank you for that, by the way. And <laughs> Anytime. And like I said, I, I'm not very familiar with what Peruvian tobacco tastes like, but there's certainly something about this recipe that I really do enjoy. And I, I would love to try and find more cigars that utilize a Peruvian tobacco to see if I could, you know, because there's some sun-grown wrappers, um, Corojo wrappers, and, uh, you know, uh, Connecticut Broadleaf. I can taste those. They have very specific flavors. I'd love to develop a palate for Peruvian tobacco to find out if that's what I'm really enjoying about that. Now, have you done a retro hail? I have not. I'll do that when you... Uh, when you pronounce judgment on your cigar. So the man, um, the construction leaves a little to be desired. I mean, you see my wrapper's kind of coming off. It started out burning fast, burning crooked. Um, the construction, le- the draw is excellent, though. Could I venture a uh, hypothesis to your draw issue, or your construction issue? Is it that lighter? You know, I am a big soft flame fan, as you have become lately as well. But I wonder if you just torched the ever-loving crap out of the end of that cigar when you were trying to get it lit, because that was putting out a lot of BTUs. There was a lot of flame coming out of the end of that thing. Very well could be. That could, it could have to do with user operator error. I did do a V-cut on it, so I am getting a little more draw area than just a straight cut would have, would have offered me, or a punch even. Um, probably should smoke one sometime on a soft flame with just a punch yeah and kind of go the minimalist route if i smoke another one if i win another one i'll probably try that move um there's a very very pronounced wheat flavor on the retro hill that's good i I wish i hadn't waited until i was two-thirds of the way through the cigar before i did that that changes things Holy cow, I've got a new appreciation for this cigar. Well, this is the least Fuente of the Fuentes, the supreme line of Fuentes I've smoked, the upper echelon. This is definitely a softer blend, a milder blend. Um, One of the fellows at the poker game last night when he put it in the pot said, yeah, I didn't care for that because it was so much lighter than what I'm used to. But I don't mind that. I don't mind having a weaker blend. I don't need a full blend every time I light up a cigar. But um, the flavor is good. It does have more of that wheat and grass than oak and you know than oak and honey. It's going to have more wheat and grass type mm-hmm. flavor to it. The wheat I'm getting is more like a yeasty, like baked bread kind of wheat. Yeah, the retro hell. I had a retro hell on it. It did pretty good. It didn't add nothing to it. it kind of tasted the same going out as it did going in. <laughs> so. Not yeah, probably not a cigar I'm gonna rush to, especially as hard to get as they are, and as expensive as they are. Yeah, and as expensive as they are, but um, somebody gifts you one, definitely don't turn it down. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like something that you could be enjoyed. It's definitely a cigar that a casual smoker could enjoy. If a casual smoker wanted to enjoy an ultra premium cigar, this is probably a very good cigar for that that occurrence. And also. Uh, my judgment on it is good, not great. Okay. Well, excellent. Well, I, I still want to get my hands on it 
and 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 see what all the hullabaloo is about because it, it looks looks interesting and based on your review i think if i can you know hopefully the one i get will, will burn a little straighter and a little slower but yeah i'm i'm i am looking forward to getting my hands on that well we have thoroughly uh exhausted everything we've got for the show this week i believe except for etiquette but we'll get that we'll next get that week. next week so uh in the meantime you can get a hold of us, info at thecigarcast.com via email. Uh, we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash thecigarcast, and you can get us at Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast. Well, until next week, everyone have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.